This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, Season 2, Episode 12. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network, brought to you by XS Sites. I am your host, Riley Bowman, joined today by Jacob Paulson, company founder and president, CEO, check writer. <laughs> uh, today well, that is, is true. Yes, today is June 9th. 2021 Wednesday that is uh, as of the recording of this show by the way those of you that may, maybe haven't picked up on it we we elected to start mentioning the date that we record episodes for those that listen to the podcast only right in other words those of you not not those of you that watch us live but those of you that are getting in after the fact so you kind of have some context of when we recorded things because sometimes things change uh, especially when we're talking about current events, which is not necessarily today, but today's episode is reasons you should not carry a spare magazine or buy better gear. Interesting conversation. I think that uh, Jacob and I will have some things to consider. I think we'll touch on specific gear related stuff, preparedness type stuff, but also some training related matters. I think it, uh, kind of the, uh, the world is our canvas, so to speak, I think, in this episode today with uh, <laughs> what we might cover. Uh, so, But today's episode is sponsored and brought to you by Mountain Man Medical. Jacob, we embarked on this journey about a year and a half ago, maybe a little less, uh, launching Mountain Man Medical uh, as a subsidiary of ConcealedCarry.com. And it's been a pretty fast-growing side of our business. Yeah. Uh, yes, that is true. I'm trying to think <laughs> what, what to add to that. Well, uh, I mean, I, I I guess here's what I would say, and I'll throw it back at you. I mean, I know this is a sponsor slot, but but just talking about it, in, you know, in a real sense, I think more and more people are waking up to the idea of, hmm, there are other ways to be prepared and other things I might need, perhaps even need more than a gun. And, you know, and specifically we're talking about medical or trauma related products and training even. Right. Um, so like the most basic level, having a quality tourniquet on you or near you as often as possible, not a bad idea. So I think that that's, I mean, and I think the last year as we have, uh, gone through this whole COVID crisis and seen, you know, communities and cities and up, you know, all this uprest or, yeah, you know, this uh, unrest, uprise, unrest. there we go. That's what I was trying to say. You know, it just, uh, I think, gets people thinking like, hey, I'm on my own. Maybe police officers, maybe even EMTs won't be as able to respond to, to accidents or other things as readily. Uh, at least that potential exists. So anyway, I don't know. That's kind of where my mind went. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll think about it more from a business perspective, like, what we saw is that everyone's talking about medical. Everybody knows you need medical, but when we survey customers, they don't know where to buy medical. And so we're like, hey, why not us? Like, we, you know, sounds like a business opportunity. And our business model is extraordinarily simple. Uh, only stock and, and, and compile kits with name brand proven gear, stuff from North American Rescue, TAC Med, you know, Combat Medical, Dynarex, whatever, uh, and do it cheaper than anybody else. Like that, that, that's what we set out to do. And so we're not inventing anything. We're not manufacturing products. Uh, we do make some decisions about what to compile into a kit, but all the components are name brand stuff and we do it cheaper than anybody else. That's, that's, that's our tick. And so that seems to be working for us. Yeah. That, that really is, has been the guiding principle since the beginning of Mount Man Medical is bring quality trauma kits and trauma related gear to the masses uh, as as affordably as possible. I think that our business is uniquely positioned and able to do this because it's not the only thing we do. You know, like some other companies, they got to make a profit. They got to cover overhead. Uh, and, and so we're able to just come in there and, and provide a quality kit at a reasonable price. We still make a little money off of them, but probably not as much as some of those other guys are, at least on a per kit basis. 
and that's okay you know that's but it gets more more stuff out in the hands of you people and uh does does influence our business does impact the bottom line but that's um not 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 what it's only about anyway guys uh sponsor of today's episode check them out all right check out what we got out there plus great content that our chief training officer i don't know i remember i don't remember his exact job title but brian mclaughlin over at uh, uh mount man medical he, he oversees a lot of that uh, on our behalf and we appreciate brian and all the work he does and great content and great training that he puts on so mountmanmedical.com today's episode also sponsored by guardian university guardian university is our revamped and will continue to be revamped and improved online learning management system okay so tons of really all of our content we've ever created dang near is exists in some form on guardian university we've put together a a what's the word what am i looking for we've put together a a roadmap of curriculum that uh, you guys can, you know, if you're, if you check out Guardian University, those of you that are Guardian Nation members already have the ability to do so. Uh, you, you'll see how it's all laid out. I mean, covering things from shooting fundamentals and gun safety to, uh, I mean, laws. And I mean, basically the way we looked at this was what do those that participate in Guardian University and specifically our Guardian Nation members what kind of things do they need to know, Jacob? What do they need to understand? And how do we map that out in a logical way and in a format so they can digest it and also, I don't know, feel good about themselves because you'll, you'll level up. So we award badges based on uh, different levels that you've completed in training. Yeah, I... I think people also want to feel a sense of accomplishment. And so previously, a person might go through some of our online classes and not feel... You know, like the you know, am I am I getting somewhere? Am I growing? And so, trying to kind of break these things down into kind of these these rank advancement style levels allows a person to feel like, okay, now I, I have direction on in what order to consume stuff, and I kind of see, okay, when I've completed these, I'm advancing on to the next level. And I think that's important. Um, I think it the person is uh, intrinsically motivated by accomplishment. So part of a Guardian University's uh, model is designed to create that kind of value. Yeah. Yep. Agree. So guys check out and here'd be the thing to do. Go to concealedcarry.com forward slash university. Again, if you're already a guardian nation member, you already have access, but if you do not go to concealedcarry.com forward slash university to learn more about guardian university, uh, get a little taste, a little sense of what the content that's contained therein is all about. And this is, I mean, this is something that we're really trying to uh, level up ourselves in terms of the amount of content and the quality of content to give you guys some of the best online training content anywhere out there. So check it out again, concealedcarry.com forward slash university. Let's get into today's headline topic, Jacob. Reasons you should not carry a spare magazine or buy better gear. I think you originally crafted this uh, topic, this headline, if you will. I'd kind of like to throw it at at you and sort of get a, I mean, I, I suspect you and I might have slightly different approaches. I, I think we'll agree on a lot of things, but I think we might have slightly different approaches as far as how we view today's topic. The, today's topic is a question of prioritization. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, we're, we might have some different feelings about what should be prioritized in what order. But it, it kind of comes from this idea that oftentimes when we're – in fact, I'll give you a, a recent one. One of the guys who works in our company, one of our employees, it's about two weeks ago, and uh, he asked me if I carry a spare magazine. And I was like, well, do you? And he's like, I got two of them. <laughs> I was like, oh, dang. And uh, he had he had kind of has, he has a mag carrier that came. It's a two mag mag carrier. So he's like, well, you know, I'm, I might have only cared about having one spare mag, but I have two spare mags because I have a double mag carrier. And so he's he's rocking his gun with his double mag carrier concealed every day. And um, when I when I hear that, when I hear someone say, you know, you need to carry a spare mag, or I carry a spare mag, my follow up question is always, well, do you have pepper spray? 
Do you have a tourniquet? Do you have any medical gear? Do you have a decent flashlight, pocket knife? Like, uh, I just, it, it becomes a question of prioritization. So to, to be clear, and maybe the starting point here is to clarify that, that neither you or I, Riley, have any issue with someone carrying a spare magazine. It's all good. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, in fact, I would consider a spare magazine a good thing. My concern is when it takes up room on your belt, in your pocket, where maybe something else would be more important than the spare magazine. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, I agree with that. I'll take kind of the back end of this phrase that we titled today's episode with of or buy better gear. Uh, and, and by that, I'm going to just throw out an alternative perspective. And we're going to explore all these things here today in this episode of sometimes people, well, many people get trapped in the, or caught in the trap of buying the latest and greatest thing. I mean, for instance, I'll give you one example. Um, Recently, Walter released their new PDP pistol. Uh, It's a couple months old now at this point. That thing has, uh, I mean, and, and kudos and credit to Walter on their marketing plan with this, uh, but it has taken off very, very, very quickly. Uh, and I think part of that was, you know, they did a smart thing by enlisting. They, they put together what they called their uh, Walter Defense Division or something to that effect, where they've, you know, they've got guys like Scott Jelinski and Bill Blowers and even Tatiana Whitlock, um, you know, well-known female instructor. And a few others that they basically kind of brought into this collective of, of you know, well-respected people in the industry, instructors and law enforcement officers and, and, and so forth. And, you know, brought them together to, number one, get input on this new gun okay, and this new product line, but also then enlisted their help in sort of promoting it. And it's really been very effective. Now, what reason why I'm mentioning this is somebody I know personally was running a very fine, you know, a, a quality gun. Okay. N- nothing wrong with the gun they were running previously, but it kind of bought into this marketing, which again, it's, I don't think the Walter PDP is a bad pistol, um, but clearly their marketing was effective enough to get this person to go, Oh, that's the new latest, greatest thing. I need to have that. Right. And so they run right out and buy it. And a couple weeks later, like they're carrying it. Like they put aside the other previous gun. I'm not, I'm not mentioning what it was, but a quality gun that would have been, that would have suited their purposes just fine because for some reason they saw uh, value in, in upgrading their gun. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, uh, particularly if you, I mean, if you, especially if you're in a position where money's not that big of an issue, maybe it's no object at all for some of you. Um, because maybe in that way, it's not necessarily taking away from prior from other priorities. But I do see some gun carriers and gun owners fall into the trap of having the latest and greatest thing. And by so doing, by, by, by going out and buying you know the, the newest gun or the coolest new thing, then maybe it's taking away from some other priorities. And specifically, maybe some training-related ones. Um, to your point, maybe it's taken away. Maybe they don't have a trauma kit yet because, oh, I spent all my money on a new gun. Maybe they don't have, like, you know, a a comment that's come up uh, uh, recently, you know, we we talk about, say, our Guardian Conference in September and people are like, well, I'd love to come, but I'm not sure I can get ammo or ammo's expensive and that sort of thing. It's like, well, hey, you know, maybe it would be easier to to, to find that ammo and to buy the ammo you need for quality training. If you weren't, I'm not saying this about anyone in particular, by the way, but like, you know, maybe somebody has gone out and bought some new gun, but Hey, there goes your ammo budget. You know what I mean? So that's kind of where I'm coming at it from today as well. A a person could probably justify selling a gun (laughs) to afford to attend our training conference. And, and, you know, we're, we're talking generally about training, but uh, skills always trumps gear, and so a person's got to think through that. And it's, but it's hard because stuff. You know, in your, in your case, Riley, that we're talking about kind of skills over gear. Um, stuff is easier to buy, mm-hmm. so it's not just about cost and allocation of money. It's also about time and energy, right? So I can buy a thing and I have the thing, but to buy, I can't. I can't take that same money and buy a skill. 
I can mm-hmm. buy that. I can use that money to buy the education, but I have to put in the time and the work to acquire the skill, mm-hmm. uh, to take the class, to attend the training, et cetera. And so it's, it's not as analogous or it's not as apples to apples that way, right? That I can't, I can't just reallocate the cash and buy skills or better mindset or whatever thing. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, there's kind of two halves of the conversation here. And I think, you know, you address the other half really well, right? The first half being this idea of just pure like space in terms of an EDC loadout and prioritizing what go- goes into that space I have, how I allocate it. And then the second half is kind of more like uh, budget and resources and mm-hmm. choosing to uh, allocate that in a way that, that is prioritized correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, it's not only about space. Uh, it, it can also be just principles of concealment, right? Like, uh, sure. you know, maybe maybe you choose to dress a certain way and based on how you dress uh, changes what you can get away with concealing, right? And, and so, you know, maybe all the space you or the or maybe all that you can carry is a gun. Uh, you know, as far as being concealed, uh, and, and and therefore, you're not able to fit a, a say a tourniquet or something else on you that might be another valuable tool. Uh, and so, yeah, the, but to your but they're all priorities, and that's what over the overarching theme of this episode today is is all about is is prioritizing your gear your skill set your training you know it's all of that it's where are we putting our resources in terms of priority what's most important to us let's address the more obvious one that you know that, that you've touched on already you, you gave specific examples of well are you carrying trauma related gear i.e tourniquet tourniquet is like the most basic trauma kit that you could carry right and and or you also mentioned the example of things like non-lethal or less lethal uh, uh, OC spray, for instance, right? So let, let's let's kind of let's tackle that first. Um, and the big thing here, I guess, the point would be that would that could be made, and I I'll make this point off because I have some personal direct experience with this, and that is what it in terms of priorities of what I carry and have at my disposal at any given moment of the day, what is my number one priority? Like, do carry a gun. It is an important thing to me. It's very high priority. But have I ever shot somebody in self-defense? No. Have I had need to assist somebody in medical distress? Yes. Multiple times, in fact. In fact, just a couple months ago, I was returning from the range and came up upon a, uh, uh, a vehicle rover, rollover accident that fortunately nobody was seriously hurt, but it could have been very, very serious. And I was fortunate to be able to grab my, guess, Mountain Man Medical Trauma Kit. In fact, it was a Wind River in that case. And you know, get myself parked and situated in a safe place, uh, hazard lights on, et cetera, and ran over there with my kit, you know, because I wasn't sure what I was going to find. I've been on on accident scenes where people passed away due to severe injury, okay? I've seen blood and other things that are not pleasant to see. So, and that this is, again, multiple times this has happened to me. And I know we have people watching and or listening to this episode right now that have had similar experiences. So again, what are we prioritizing? And I'll just throw out, Jacob, that it's just a theory, and it might be an over overly simplified way of saying it, but things like trauma kits and trauma-related gear and control in that same category, things like OC spray, they're not very sexy, you know? Packing a gun is cool and hip and like makes me feel cool. Like I got my gun, but nobody carries around a tourniquet and feels cool for carrying a tourniquet. Yeah. Uh, There's also sort of this sense of because I think I'm prepared for the worst case scenario, I'm therefore prepared for all scenarios. Right. Which is, which is, you know, 
clearly not not the case, right? But but there's the sense that you know the gun is is for a worst case scenario, and so because I'm prepared for that absolute worst thing, I it, it makes me feel like I'm prepared for everything. Um, yeah. To, to be clear, too, there's 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 more than one argument for Karen Spare magazines. Like the the one on the surface would be, I I want to have more ammo, right? Like uh, today I have a 365 tucked in my pants, and uh, I'm rocking the 10 round magazine in that gun right now. So that's 11 rounds. So if I have a spare mag, maybe I'm rocking the 12 round uh, spare magazine. So that gives me 23 rounds of ammunition. So that's that, that was like kind of the on surface, you know, hey, I'm gonna carry a spare mag because I get 23 rounds. But there's also this sense of, well, magazine may be the more the more likely things to go wrong, to cause some sort of malfunction. Gun doesn't feed properly or something along those lines. So having a spare mag maxes my ability to get the gun back in the fight if I have some sort of issue. Uh, if I have, you know, maybe it's not even a magazine failure, but it's some sort of other type of malfunction. Uh, maybe it's a double feed, for example. And the easiest way or fastest way to clear that maybe is to dump that mag and start afresh with the new one. So I hear a lot of people tell me that the reason they care spare mag is not just because there's more ammo, but it's also to maximize the odds of, of keeping the gun functional, which is, I think, potentially valid. I don't think that's invalid. Uh, mm-hmm. Though I think you can minimize the risk of those kinds of things by not training with your carry mags, for example, and other you know, fire maintenance-related things. But I just wanted to throw that out there that when we talk about the balance of, of that, we have to understand all the p- potential scenarios. But but again, for example, let's just talk about OC spray. I have OC spray right here in my pocket. Okay, so it's just a pure balance of probability. What, what am I more likely to need to resolve a bad scenario? Uh, a, a spare mag because either my first mag failed or because I ran out of, you know, I went through 12 rounds of ammo, 11 rounds, I guess, in my case, or OC spray. Like which, you know, just in terms of statistical probability, which am I more likely to need? And I think that it's it's one of those, like, if you, if you don't know the answer to the question, you're naive at best, because clearly OC spray is much more likely to be helpful in my life. There, you know, just there's, there's way more scenarios in life where OC is the go-to tool then there are scenarios where the gun is going to be the go-to tool. So I, I, I think that you probably should be prioritizing OC spray over the gun, uh, arguably, in terms of probability of use. Now, in terms of you know uh, stakes, what's at stake? You know, OC spray may not be life and death, but my gun, when it gets deployed, it's a life and death kind of scenario. But in terms of probability, the OC spray is significantly more likely to get used than the gun. And so then if we say, well, I, I have the gun already, so what then am I more likely to use, the OC spray or a spare magazine to the gun? That would seem like an even more extreme kind of thing. Like I I think if someone's carrying a spare magazine and not OC spray, they are way off base in terms of their priorities. And OC spray is smaller in terms of the footprint than a spare magazine. Mm-hmm. And just for those that maybe are not quite up to speed with uh, some, some of the terminology, by OC spray, we're talking about pepper spray, right? Um, the, the more maybe publicly commonly used term. But anyway, uh, yeah, it, it has been referred to as the thing between a harsh word and a gun, right? The idea there being that, okay, if all I ha- carry is a gun, I have, you know, if I'm, if I'm faced with a situation, I can use harsh words. I can scream and yell at a guy and cuss at him and whatever, like try to get them to leave me alone, back away, et cetera, et cetera. Or I have a gun. I mean, maybe you could argue too, there's evading, running away and that sort of thing. But what if that's not an option, right? What if, what if you got nowhere to go? So it's like, well, I can scream at them or I can draw my gun. Okay. But it might be a situation where it's not quite so, readily apparent as to whether deadly force is warranted. OC spray gives you another option that's not going to permanently harm or disfigure or put somebody at risk of dying, right? And can be, in many situations, effective. At the very least, creating some space or an opportunity to do something else. 
So yeah, I'm with you there, buddy. Um, and as we we've got a comment from Casey on Facebook saying she's she's had to use pe- pepper spray. Uh, I've known many people actually that have had to use pepper spray at some point in their lives. I actually heard a really interesting story just the other day from someone that had to use it in a very, very interesting situation uh, and, and was effective for them. So, so it's great to have that option, right? Uh, I, I don't want to have so many options at my disposal, Jacob, that it's uh, difficult to choose an option. Right. Sure. Sure. Right. Uh, Hicks law is something that's referred to, you know, as as the idea that the more options we add to our so-called this is more of a law enforcement context to our duty belt. The more options we add to that duty belt, the more time it may take or the time that's increased in the decision making as to what option to use. If you think about what a law modern law enforcement officers in America carry, it's gun, knife, baton pepper spray, taser, right? Uh, Those are probably the five common things that most law enforcement in America carry like at any given time on duty. That's a lot of options. Now, there's a reason for many of those options too. Oh, I didn't even mention uh, like a flashlight, right? Like that, that could be another option too. Now, there's a reason why a lot of those options exist. Some of those options are being used less now than they once were, like batons, not not really used very often. I see them used more often now for busting out windows on vehicles than I do actually on people as a defensive uh, tool. So, um, but anyway, lots of options increases potential the potential for uh, like decision paralysis. Sure. Um, so, but I think in the context of civilian carry, having and really, we, we still have a lot of the same options. Many of us do carry a knife. Many of us sh- do and should have a flashlight. And we may not think of some of those things as being like the flashlight. We, might, we, we may not think as much as being a defensive tool, but it is still a defensive tool, and it is an option. But oh, if we have yeah. a light, a knife, OC spray, and a gun, I think you're pretty well set up in terms of the defensive aspect of what you're carrying tool wise. But now we got to talk. It's like Mark commented earlier about, well, I feel like I got to carry around a bag with me to haul all, all this stuff with me. Uh, well, you held up your, your palm pepper spray unit there. Uh, it's pretty compact. It's like a size of a large lipstick, uh, you know, thing, lipstick, whatever. Right. It's not yeah. that big. Yeah. Um, Flashlight. There are great options out there that are still compact, but make it easy for you to carry a light. There's there's the Ready Up Gear uh, uh, MCF Spark flashlight. You know, I've talked about before how I have the Surefire Stiletto, another great you know slim choice. I also have the MCF Spark. I have a few other options that are also pretty I compact the, lights. Uh, I carried the MicroStream for years. It's a tiny little thing. Yep. Um, okay, so in a knife. Yeah, lots of obviously compact knife options. Uh, gun, okay, all right, yep, got a gun. All right, spare mag. Now, you know, see, and here's the thing. All of those things up to that point that I just mentioned, there's there's not really any redundancy. They're, they're all unique defensive tools. But once we get into a spare mag, now there's some redundancy because I already have a mag in the gun. Now, ignore whatever reason why you think you need a magazine right now, but just recognize the fact that if you have a spare mag, hello, spare, by definition, means redundant. We have extras. Mm-hmm. Okay, so is there something else that we're giving up by carrying something that's redundant, a spare mag? And that's the question here. That's the question. Well, uh, yeah, and I think that we have to be realistic you know, the, the comment from someone who said, I got to carry around a bag to carry all this stuff. We, we do have to be practical that you're not going to be able to carry everything that ideally a person should carry. Like that, It's just, unless you're rocking a duty belt uh, and a plate carrier, you're probably just not pulling it off. Because, I mean, in an ideal world, you would have a bunch of redundancies. You'd have a couple less lethal options. You'd have a fixed blade knife and, a, and probably a folding knife. You'd probably have a spare mag and a spare gun. Um, you'd probably have a lot of things. But we just got to be a little bit practical. 
I, I, I wear most days a 5'11 Defender Flex pant, either the jeans or the range pant or something like that. It's like nine or 20 billion pockets. I don't even, you know, a ton. And so I have a lot of places to put things. Now, my brother, I had a conversation with my brother recently. I have lots of brothers, but one of them, actually two of them, but the one I was talking to is an attorney and he wears a suit every day, uh, generally without a jacket because he's in Arizona. It's really hot. So, but he's got, you know, suit pants, like nice dress slacks and a, a, a button up dress shirt tucked in. So like he, he, it's going to be more difficult for him to carry a, a gun, a spare mag, pepper spray, a flashlight, uh, a, a fixed blade knife, a pocket knife. Like you know, it, it's just not, not practical for him. It's just, it's just not going to happen. Now, especially when he cares about having a professional appearance. Someone's going to be like, why do you have three pocket knives in that pocket? Oh, one of those is my pepper spray. One's my spare mag and one's my, my pocket knife. Oh, what, what about the other pocket? Oh, that's my flashlight. Like he's going to look like an idiot. So I think that we have to be a little bit practical. And that's kind of the point of this conversation is, is that if, if we didn't have to choose, right, then, then the whole conversation would be pointless. We don't need to talk about priorities if you can just carry everything. If you can just carry all the goods, then that's great. But what we see constantly in our industry uh, is people post on Instagram with their EDC loadout in their hand. They got the gun and their pocket knife and whatever other thing. And they take a picture and they put it on Instagram, like, check it. I'm super duper prepared and awesome sauce. And that's that's the call out here is to say, wait a minute. Like, I have no issue with any of the stuff in your fancy picture. I just think that your priorities are out of whack. Because like a fixed blade knife is a great example. Uh, a, fi- a fixed blade knife is an interesting one too. I'd put it in kind of category like a spare magazine. Um, the, a fixed blade knife is a f- fantastic tool that can solve a lot of p- potential nasty problems. Um, I myself don't really have the training to 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 use a fixed blade knife. I, I mean, some things it's not rocket science. Just like someone who doesn't have much training can probably figure out how to use pepper spray. But but you can certainly get training to really increase your effective use of it, right? But but regardless of the training or not, a fixed blade knife is a redundancy to my my folding knife. Now, I'm not whipping out a fixed blade knife to open up a box that I got from Amazon Prime today, um, but I could, I suppose. But but carrying two knives all of a sudden is like, okay, yes, I recognize that one has has is ideal for some situations and the other one may be ideal for other situations. But if I'm taking up space, if I'm allocating resource to the fixed blade knife and a folding knife, that that probably means, unless I'm carrying around a backpack, I'm I'm letting something else out. I'm I'm choosing not to carry something else, and that's that's what this conversation is about. Is if you got the space, carry it all, and and stop listening to this because you don't have to worry about prioritization. You just have to train yourself to know what to grab when and grab all of it efficiently. Uh, but the rest of us, you know, us normal people, we have some limitations, and even me with my nine billion pockets, I have limitations. Yeah, uh, all all great thoughts there, and. I mean, to the, to the knife conversation, just a little bit, you know, uh, a folding knife or, or a, a more practical knife for me is is what's most practical, <laughs> practical, hey, right? Um, because I use a knife on a daily basis, uh, cutting all sorts of things, uh, opening packages, and who knows what all kinds. Of, just it's hard for me to even imagine. But I I know my knives come out. My my folding knife comes out of my pocket every day for sure like it just it, it's just a part of my life and my lifestyle uh this the fixed blade would be certainly more of a defensive use uh dedicated tool uh certainly could be used in some of the same instances that i might just use my my folding knife but um but you know it, it's it's more geared towards stabbing somebody is really what it's geared to so um you know, some of these items don't take up a lot of space. Some of them are quite slim. Uh, some of it just requires a little bit of creativity as far as figuring out where to put some of these things. Uh, they, they, some of them don't really take up that much space to begin with. But space is still space. Like, this, you know, there's still a finite amount of it, and we have to work with it. And the priority side of things you know, as is the topic of our discussion here today, that's what we got to be considering. So again, I ask the question, all right, to, to all of you listening or watching this episode today, what are you 
more likely to need. Okay. And that's what, that's where we want to start as we are evaluating ourselves. I mean, there was a comment from somebody a little bit ago. I forgot who it was, but they said something about that. There should be redundancy that, you know, Hey, your primary gun might fail. So you should even consider carrying a backup gun. Right. And that's in addition to talking about carrying things like a spare mag. And I would say, yeah, okay, that's cool. Like if you can do that, all right, have two guns. Like, you know, one of those could even be a handoff gun, meaning that you could actually arm somebody else to assist you. Like there's, there's lots of reasons why to even carry a, a backup gun. But what's more likely to be a need? Like, are you more likely to be in that situation where, n- number one, it's already rare, but you need not just one, but two guns? Or you're in a situation where it's not just you, but you need to hand off a second gun to somebody else to back you up? What's more likely? Or you're actually one of the only documented civilian defensive gun uses that actually needs a spare magazine and reloads during the incident because to my, like John Korea says this all the time. He's, I don't, he, he doesn't know of a civilian use of a gun in defensive context where they had to do a, a reload. Right. Okay. So what are you more likely to need that, that any one of those things I just explained or preventing arterial bleeding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's talk about medical. For yeah, a second. You pulled out your spare, or your, your folding knife and you sliced yourself and now you're bleeding, right? What's more likely? Well, guess what? <laughs> I have sustained more than my fair share of fairly traumatic injuries in my life, more so than Jacob by far. <laughs> so, and we've already kind of touched on this, talking about like vehicle accidents, things like that. Far more common for the everyday person to encounter than an actual defensive shooting. So, yeah, let, I mean, take it away, Jacob. You you clearly had something to say there. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that we already made we're, we're in some ways we're beating around the bush a little bit, or we're trying to reiterate the core point. But I'm also trying to address some specific things we think are more important than a spare magazine. And I think that OC spray, we made that argument. So the next one here, to your point, is medical gear. Now, the problem is that medical gear could be anything from one item, I'm I'm carrying a tourniquet, to a whole IFAC. You know, I got a medical ankle cuff or something. And a person, you know, depending on what we're talking about, a person could easily argue, well, I got a place I can put a spare mag, but not an IFAC. Um, You know, so that's that's a whole different game. But I'll I'll just get really specific for the sake of this conversation. And I I will specify the SWAT T tourniquet, the stretch wrap and tuck tourniquet, which is, in my opinion, not my preferred tourniquet. If you laid out a bunch of tourniquets on a table and I had to patch up an arterial bleed on my arm, I would not pick the SWAT T off the table. Uh, I, w- I would go for a soft T wide without any doubt in my mind whatsoever. The, sw- the, the SWAT T wouldn't even be my second choice. However, for an EDC item, let's just say that I'm, I'm going to carry a SWAT T. And I think that arguably the SWAT T is a really valid EDC medical item because not only is it a tourniquet, but I can use it for tons of other things. I can use it just as a pressure dressing. I don't have to stretch it as tight. So I can use it as a pressure dressing. I can make a splint out of it. I can cut it. I can use it as a chest seal. I can have two tourniquets instead of one and it folds up really tight. Think like a really small, slim wallet, um, you know, would, would be a SWAT T. It's just a really pretty compact thing. Not a difficult thing to put in an average back pocket. So, Smaller definitely. or slimmer than most dudes' wallets. Oh, for sure. It's definitely <laughs> slimmer than my wallet. No doubt. With, that mean, is true. Deck of cards. You've got that deck of trifold cards. thing that's like two inches. I don't have a trifold. I thought it was a trifold. So here's my wallet. Oh, okay. Man, I must be thinking of somebody else I know. Right. But but a SWAT tee is definitely slimmer than that. In fact, let me see if I have a SWAT tee here. And, and, you know, think deck of cards. I think deck of cards is a pretty good description of a, of a SWAT tee tourniquet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I got so much medical crap sitting here on my desk. Surely one of the, I have a SWAT T here handy. Um, people are like, well, Jacob, how come it's not in your pocket right now? <laughs> so, well, so okay, uh, hold on, pause right there, pause, because it's not just about if I give up, if I if I want this, I have to give up that. It's not only about that. Okay, this is about there can be a layered approach here. Sure, right. Totally. 
because now now even John here on YouTube is commenting that he carries a, a pack, a, a medical pack, he calls it, in his vehicles, but not on person. Um, it, it is challenging to carry a whole IFAC on your person every day. I, I know. I've carried an ankle IFAC for many, many, many days. Um, I don't carry it on me as much in, in person as I used to. I still do, but I've got a lot more nuanced and specific in those times that I do. Part of the reason why I don't is because I've gotten more strategic in my layering of strategies. So my backpack has a complete IFAC in my backpack, and it goes with me a lot of places. My vehicle has not just one, but multiple IFACs in it. Okay. I've got IFACs here at home. Right. And and now here's the thing, John, you're not always attached to your vehicle. So what's your strategy when you're away from the vehicle? Okay. And that's where the layered approach can come into play because to Jacob's point, I can have a SWAT T in my pocket pretty darn easy. If you're a lady, you can have that in your purse. Pretty darn easy. Does your purse go everywhere you do? Yeah, you betcha. In fact, you can probably have more than just a SWAT tee in your purse. Um, You can have a flat folded. One of the best tourniquets that folds pretty flat is the soft tee wide tourniquet. All right. Now, I'd have to step away from the mic and the camera here to reach my backpack where I've got in there a flat folded soft tee wide. I could show you. I mean, it's it's actually probably thinner than the SWAT tee or close to Hmm. uh, a little bit longer, more narrow. Okay. But I've got a very specific way of how I fold those SWAT tees um, to, to get them to be so slim. Uh, And, and those I can actually slip in that side pocket on my 511 jeans, Jacob. And that's one of my favorite uses for that is to drop one of those soft tee wides in that pocket. The cats don't work nearly as well in this. Here's a cat. You can't do anything about those, those clips, you know, the windlass uh, clips into. So um, that's my point here, though. Like you start going down this path and I'm sorry I took over, but but I wanted to hit, I wanted to head this off before we got too far along is guys, like don't only think in terms of this or that, okay? Think in terms of having a smart strategy, uh, smart strategized, smartly strategized. There we go. That's a better combination a layered approach to how you might have some of this medical gear that's readily available to you. Yeah. And on a day-to-day basis, that could change, right? Uh, I mean, on an average day, I'm, I'm never more than 10 feet from a trauma kit. It's just my nature of, you know, I carry one around it with my, in my little laptop bag. I got two sitting here on my desk. I got them in the vehicles, the office and all sorts of stuff. But on on a one day I might be like, oh, I'm going to attend a trade show today, or I'm traveling. In which case, maybe I'm just going to pull the SWAT T out of that kit, or have one separately and chuck it in a pocket. Um, I'll, I'll add the, the your soft T wide, and I I already clarified it is my favorite tourniquet today. Uh, but I can't put it in a back pocket because the windlass makes it impossible to sit down. Ah, uh, you can. I got to show you how mine's folded, bro. Uh, yeah, I'll look forward to seeing that. But but the windlass don't bend. The soft tee is moldable like a wallet almost, you know, and then it kind of – anyway, the point is we could easily, easily justify that a tourniquet or a, a piece of medical gear, you know, in my case, kind of my multi-tool SWAT tee and Riley's case is his soft tee, whatever, is significantly more likely to be needed than a spare mag. And in this case – this is an interesting one because like when we talked about OC spray, I talked about odds and stakes, right? So odds are much higher. I'm going to need the OC spray than, than the gun. But this, if I deploy the OC spray, the stakes are lower. It's less likely to be a life and death situation. But in the case of our tourniquet, our medical conversation we're having right now, not only are the odds much higher that I'm going to need the medical gear than the gun or definitely in a spare magazine, but the stakes are just as high. We're still talking about life and death. So I think it's really, really easy to prioritize medical gear that we're talking about over a spare magazine. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the stakes, the odds, it's a good point, actually. So again, now, 
I mean, to be real, I'll, I'll shoot straight with you guys. I carry a spare mag pretty much every day that goes with my gun. Now, the way I carry it, it works very well in that regard. It actually balances out the load of my pistol uh, and fills some some space inside my waistband that, I mean, granted, that, that space could be occupied by a tourniquet or by OC spray or something like that, but I have other places I can carry those items as well. And so, hey, I've got a space. I might as well use it. Might as well throw a spare mag in. It's not penalizing me really at all. Um, but that's not true for everybody. I'm, you know, I'm a six foot three, 240 pound dude that, you know, I, I, with a 36 inch waist, right? I've got more space than a lot of other people, frankly. So, so that works fine for me, but not necessarily for everybody else. Now, to also address some more specific things related to like people might think, well, I'm running out of pockets or I'm running out of other places to stow my gear. Um, you'd be, I mean, there's, there's a number of different storage solutions for still carrying them inside your waistband. Now, if you carry in a traditional holster belt type setup, uh, you can look at different ways of, of carrying a light inside your waistband instead of in a pocket or OC spray inside your waistband instead of a pocket. You can, there's, there's companies out there that make special little holsters for things like pepper spray or OC spray or for your knife or for your light. Um, also tourniquets, tourniquet holders and pouches and holsters out there for those as well that could go inside waistband. So there's lots of, you know, just don't, don't get locked into thinking, oh, everything has to go in my pockets. I can still maybe get it on my waistband somewhere. And some of these items are, are much smaller than a gun and much smaller than most magazines even. Um, there's also products relatively new to market. You know, people have probably heard me talk a little bit about products like the Filster Enigma, which is a holster mounting solution. It's not a holster product by itself, but it mounts to a holster. And the Enigma is like a whole separate standalone carry system for your defensive gear, uh, meaning that it has its own integrated belt. In fact, I'm wearing one today uh, with my holster attached. And it, it gives me, like, even if, like, to be honest with you, I'm not even wearing my jeans today. I'm actually wearing uh, gym shorts. Uh, I did a workout this morning and I just never bothered to change. Uh, and so I've got my Enigma inside my waistband with gym shorts that don't have a lot of pockets and don't have the structured waistband that my other pants would, but I can attach things to the Enigma belt. See, so like there's, there's lots of, and, and that's frankly, that's a very popular way that I see people setting them, their gear up with the Enigma. They'll have gun and holster, spare mag knife and OC spray. And maybe sometimes even flashlight all just like attached to the Enigma. And that's writing separately to the other clothing that they're wearing. And it actually, I've, I, I'm seeing more and more people professional, you know, in professional environments, Jacob, that are actually carrying more gear than they did previously because with the Enigma, they're able to dress in slacks and a button shirt and maybe even with a tie. And because you can, because with the Enigma, it's truly a tuckable solution for everything that you carry, meaning you can have your shirt tucked over top of it and you can have all those tools underneath that before was a lot more difficult to deal with. So anyway, all of that just to explain that like we have to recognize that we're really in this golden age of concealed carry where we have way more options than we ever have in the past to have creative methods for attaching or carrying gear on our person. And that is really cool. Now, um, I want to jump back over to the training uh, piece of this, Jacob, and, and kind of the second part of the t episode title uh, where it's like, you know, where we said, uh, you know, or made the suggestion not to buy better gear. <sighs> Here's what I want to say about that. I want to say that unless you are extremely proficient in utilizing a tool, as long as the tool you already have is a decent, reliable, quality tool, I really believe that people should obtain more training and spend more time in development of skill rather than spending money on the next greatest thing. Problem is, is that's not very sexy. Like I was talking a little bit about earlier. 
people go, ooh, I can buy a new shiny thing, gun, and that's cool. Guess what? They still shoot like crap. They still shot as poorly as they did before they bought the new gun. So, and this, again, could be applied to hand-to-hand defense training. It could, you know, which might involve tools like using a knife, for instance. Um, This could extend to, you know, medical training. Again, it's hard enough as it is to get people to carry medical gear. Now go take a class. Unfortunately, there's some there's some great inexpensive or free options out there like Stop the Bleed. But specifically in the context of using a gun, I really truly believe that there I mean, because I know it's a fact, like there's so many people out there that carry guns that aren't very proficient with them. At least in as I as I think they should be. I mean, keep in mind stressful situations that develop very quickly and we're asking people to shoot with high levels of precision but they've never been tested in doing that they've not they've not put in the time to develop a high level of skill i'm not saying everyone has to be a master or grandmaster level shooter to be honest with you even a or B class USPSA is still really high levels of shooting skill. But I do think that, you know, people could take it more seriously. Yeah. I, I think this is a tough one because it, it feels a little bit like preaching to the choir. You don't subscribe to a podcast like this and consume all 500 and something episodes of ours or, and most of you probably have not listened to all of them unless you kind of have some certain commitment to your education and training. But but that said, you know, I think that sometimes we define that differently. And so you might hear, you know, Riley's speech and say, oh, no, yeah, for sure, man. I go to the range every couple of months and I expand a couple hundred rounds and, and I just took a really good class like two, three years ago. And And I think that to you, that might feel sufficient, like you've invested in your uh, skills and that you're you're doing pretty well. But I think that the, the question to ask is, can you do better than that? Um, I, I kind of have this minimum standard, you know, that I propose, and we did a, a podcast on this like one billion years ago. But something that you know, we talked about learning, training, and uh, practice. Mm-hmm. And I generally said, "Hey, listen, I think that it's not an unreasonable thing to expect the average concealed carrier, no matter their schedule and, and lifestyle and budget, to take an in-person training class once a year." Mm-hmm. So, so once a year, you're probably going to expend, you know, somewhere between 150 to 250 dollars for a one-day, relatively decent quality training course that's that's going to have significant impact. We, I mean, Riley, you, you and I have had students on the firing line who take the same class more than once, mm-hmm. and it's pretty remarkable how quickly their skills degrade. And you're like, man, I you you were in this class last time. How is it that you're 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 struggling with this? And we see that with some consistency. So it's really easy to have this sense that, oh, I already took the class. I already got the training. Um, I, I, I'm not one of those horrible concealed carriers who just gets the permit and thinks I'm good enough. No, I've like really, I've really tried. But, but you know, whoever you are, whether it's, you know, a listener here or rather myself, like wherever you're at, you can definitely do better. And I think that uh, questioning, that, you know, yourself and, and having a little self-introspection is is important here, but, but I'll, I'll, I'll add one last thing. You know what's even sexier than a cool gun? Shooting really well. Mm-hmm. It is super cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not as easy to show off in your garage to your buddy who comes over to check out your gun, but I promise when you're out of range or you're in that class next time with your buddy, when you got real skills, nothing's cooler than that. Nothing. Um, and in fact, sometimes there's even the sense of, well, the dude sitting next to me on the line's got the you know bush killer five billion thousand gun with the you know amazing you know high whateverness red dot and you know all this tricked out stuff, and I am crushing him with my basic gun that I can afford because I've invested in the skills. I promise it is significantly more sexy to shoot well than to have a cool gun. I certainly think so. I mean, it, it's pretty awesome to uh, to shoot a drill, for instance, or some exercise in a class 
that where I'm not even giving it my hundred percent, but I'm burning everybody else down. Like and making it look easy. Like that is I'm not trying to brag, but like that's just that's just the, the reality of of it a lot of times. I mean I take I was just in a class last week, uh, you know, on the Memorial Day, right? Like I'm taking a class this coming weekend actually as well uh, from Charlie Perez, who's been on the podcast before. Um, so, you know, I take my training pretty seriously and, but here's the thing you mentioned about those students, Jacob, that have taken the same class multiple times and you're like, wait, Hey, you were here before. And like, you're at the very least, if they are the same as they were the last time in their class, that tells me something tells me they're not putting in the, work themselves between training classes. Um, and that's that's a big thing that gets overlooked. So, so many of us would rather spend money on the cool new gadget and get the, because it is a uh, dopamine release, right? To buy some cool new thing and go, ooh, I like it. It makes me feel good, right? It's cool to buy those new widgets, but it takes work to get better at something. And that's not, that's not, the fun is not in the work itself, usually for most people. The satisfaction comes from the realization of the results that the work brings you. And that is so much harder for the human person, for the human brain to get on board with. It's just a reality and a fact of life. That's true in like everything in life. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, for me, I, I really, just want whether you're, whether you're spending your money on gear or training, just buy it from us and I'm good. Yeah. That was a joke, Riley. Yeah. You, you, uh, didn't, you didn't even smile. Sorry. I was trying to read Mark's comment here. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I, I, you know, this is when, when we sat down, I'll give you just kind of, this would be my last thought because I know we're getting close to time. When we sat down in 2016 and we crafted our Guardian Nation membership, we had this conversation about priorities. We had a conversation about what do we what do we need to provide someone who's serious about being a concealed carrier? What do they need to do it well? And we we wrote stuff on a whiteboard because I love whiteboards. That's why. And so we wrote, uh, oh well, they need training, they need education, um, they 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 need a certain balance of that to be in person. Some of that that can be online. They need gear. They want well, what kind of gear do they need? Oh, they need practical, useful gear, not swag and you know, chopsky and whatever. Um, they they need you know. And we we wrote this stuff down, and and we designed the membership around that premise. So for those of you who are members of Guardian Nation, know that it is our intent to provide you with the things we think you need them and the priorities that you need them. That's why we've uh, changed and tweaked the membership most recently to go from giving you a credit toward any class in the, in the, in our network to launching the guardian conference in September. Cause we said, you know, yes, it's, it would be good if they would just take a class, but what would be the thing if we really could deliver what they need, regardless of where they're coming from, where they're starting from, what would it be? And the answer was the conference. That's why we ship a box of gear and products to our members every every three months. That's why we have the online training video library and Guardian University and all you know the other stuff that the membership benefits. So so just it's this is this is a question about priority. This is a question for you if you're listening to this to say, am I spending my time and my resources? You know, am I allocating them in in the best priorities I can? And if not, let's make some adjustments, whether that's to my EDC loadout uh, or to how I'm investing in my, my education or my gear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Just to kind of wrap up this discussion on tr- just a little bit on uh, training uh, and practice. And that's what I want to hit on. And I mentioned about how it's evident that some will just take a class and you touched on this too, like, oh, take a class. Oh, I'm good. You know, everything's good. I move on now. Um, versus putting in the practice, the time, like how important that is. Like that, that is, that's the biggest difference maker. 
for you guys right now. If you want to improve your gun handling and shooting skills, then you need to take training. You need to take classes from reputable quality instructors. That's going to give you the knowledge base on which to sort of build your own foundation of skill with feedback. And that's the important thing. That's like, that's a big, big difference between training and practice typically is that in a training environment, which is done with an instructor uh, that is able to watch you and provide instantaneous feedback. Hey, you know, we talked about this and you're trying to do it, but Hey, not quite right. You make this little tweak here, a little tweak there. Like that's hugely valuable. That's one of the biggest things you're paying an instructor for is that instantaneous feedback to how you're learning and internalizing the information that's being presented. Okay. So it's that. And then it's also, we got to take that away and put in the time and the effort to apply the things that we learn. And that's where the true skill building is going to come. The skill development doesn't happen in the class. That's, that's just a way to obtain the information and start putting it into practice with an instructor watching so so that they can give us feedback that we're doing it correctly. But the real skill development doesn't happen until we actually do it in our own time in practice. And so, like you said, and I, I agree with, I think this is an excellent recommendation, trying to hit one quality training course a year is a great benchmark, but it can't be only that. We've also got to have, and I, this is my personal thing, it, I I think if you took five minutes every day and did some dry fire practice, you'd see huge, huge, huge growth as a shooter. Now, maybe five days, five minutes every day is not as practical for you. Maybe it's easier for you to say, you know what? Once per week, I can dedicate 30 minutes and do some dry fire. You're still going to get huge benefit. Maybe not quite as rapidly or as consistently as you would with five minutes a day or 15 minutes a day, but 30 minutes a week, way more than most people get. If you can do an hour a week, awesome. Now, if you start talking about less frequency than once a week, it's probably, I mean, it's still, you're always going to benefit from any practice you do, but you're going to degrade so much between, you know, the longer we have those practice sessions spread out, we're going to degrade a lot more. Um, from one session to the next session. So we're, we're kind of always trying to make up ground that we lose. And so that's not as productive. Um, I'll tell you this much, like every day when I getting ready for the day and I'm getting my holster and my gear on, like I usually do close to five minutes of dry practice just from my morning routine of waking up, getting dressed, putting my holster on, and then doing like 10 to 20 reps of just drawing from that holster. And that's just become a thing with me. Uh, number one, I actually, so it's almost like a, I, I would say I enjoy it, but it's not even so much enjoyment as it is almost like a compulsion. I feel this, I feel compelled to, to do those dry fire reps every day. And I get more beyond that, but, but almost every morning, that's kind of the routine for me. And Hey, you, you want to get to where you can nail one second or sub second draws consistently. You want to get to where you can hit two-second build drills consistently. You you, you got to put in the time and the work. So it's 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 all those things. It's that whole package: uh, a class a year, regular, daily, or weekly uh, dry fire practice on top of your own live fire practice that you should be doing too as often as you can. And you know that's that's what it's about. That's hugely important from a prioritization standpoint. And it costs money and it takes time and effort and it's tough to do. But if you truly take it seriously, meaning your responsibility as a gun carrier and as someone that might be called upon or where it's necessary for you to use that gun in a instantaneous, stressful situation, you know, put in the work, put in the time and care more about your skill development than carrying the newest, latest, greatest, flashy whiz-bang thing. So that's all I got to say about that. (laughs) Anyway, I don't know. 
Did we hit it all, Jacob? I think we can bury this hatchet. Cool. I think it was good chat. Good thoughts, good ideas thrown around. Good comments from those of you watching us on Facebook and YouTube. Thank you so much for being here and being a part of it with us. I hope that you got something out of this episode today. And I hope that you are encouraged or inspired in some way to make yourself better. And so let's go to, let's get to work. I hope you all have a great rest of your week, a great weekend. And until next time, and we'll be back next week. So don't forget to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care.